Blue Wire. The Philadelphia 76ers select Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons. Here comes Simmons between the legs. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The New Slant. As always, I'm your host, Kyle Newback. And with me, as always, my buddy, my pal, the guy who will be there on Christmas, I believe, to watch the Sixers take on the Milwaukee Bucks, Seamus Clancy. Seamus, how you doing? Doing well. I will be there in the first level of the mezzanine, uh, ready to yell at Giannis the entire time. Uh, Hopefully, I don't get kicked out. Yeah, I think that's probably a, a good goal for christmas you well they might be cracking down on fans uh wise ass remarks now after the entire frosty gate with isaiah thomas but we can get to that later (laughs) we can get to that later but what a week it has been in sixers basketball i believe last time we spoke seamus was prior to last wednesday's miami heat game i think mostly everybody was feeling feeling pretty good about the sixers they're in a good groove and then all of a sudden Zone defense, like a bunch of Jim Beheim style cowards, teams come out and start playing zone, and the Sixers have a bit of an identity crisis. The fan base is freaking out. Everyone wants to fire the coach, although there are plenty of people who want to do that anyway. Uh, so I guess what was going through – we didn't really talk much about it last week, Seamus. What is going through your head as the Sixers are – imploding against the defense that a lot of high-level high school teams can solve i was so frustrated man it just seemed like (laughs) that was the perfect counter and in my you know immediate reactionary period and paranoia i just thought oh my god they just let out the blueprint the the league fraud team they're never gonna win well not necessarily that just that was the league's worst kept secret that if you just play zone you could neutralize ben simmons you could render joel Embiid ineffective and just kind of collapse them up offensively yeah, and I think it's... It's a little it's, overstated because uh, Spolcher is a great coach. The Heat are a pretty solid team. Uh, could just been that one night. Yeah, and, and in back-to-back-to-back games, they won the, the Washington Wizards game on Saturday, but all three of those teams, the Heat, the Mavericks, and the Wizards are like heavy zone teams. The Heat and the Mavericks have done so for years. and They're both well-coached and... yeah. They're different styles of zone. Like Dallas plays more of a, a matchup type zone. So even that is like another wrinkle on top of the but but even still, to see a team struggle to beat that kind of defense is uh I'm sure as a fan it's frustrating. As a sitting on the sidelines there, I honestly thought it was they did a little bit better against those defenses than you would have expected looking at the numbers. I think they got a lot of open shots and and guys like Furkan Korkmaz, James Ennis, et cetera, et cetera, were just struggling to to make looks that they should be expected to make. But, but yeah, I, I can't imagine anyone's going home from those games thinking, well, you know, they got the good shots. And that's all that really matters. It doesn't matter to me that they, they lost by almost 20 to a Luka-less Dallas Mavericks team. Yeah, actually, every game should come down to expected uh... – points not the actual amount of buckets the teams make just if you're expected <laughs> points per shot or higher you win uh that's what zach cram would prefer i think the the game against miami is sort of a microcosm of the frustrations that i've had with them this sure. season where look the first quarter they come out they look really good i believe they might have been up 10 heading into the second quarter 
Miami throws out this gimmicky zone. It's not even like, I shouldn't even call it a gimmick. It was like a very basic two, three zone. There was nothing especially uh, unique about it. So they come out, play the zone. It, yeah. It, I played CYO basketball. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> it mystifies the Sixers for a while. And then the more important thing to me is that their defensive effort and their defensive sharpness just goes off a cliff as they're trying to play against this zone defense and up until about five minutes left in the fourth, they are just a, a rudderless ship. They are just terrible on all fronts. And then all of a sudden, they just like, it looked like they just decided to care. And they almost, it looked like they almost scared Miami into losing that game. Like guys are just dribbling balls off their feet, five second violations on inbounds passes. Like, I don't understand this team at all. Or maybe I do. And maybe it is just as simple as, these guys turn their their ability to give a shit on and off and it's as simple as that sometimes like they are not a high motor we're gonna go 100 percent in the regular season team and i think that's frustrating for pretty much everybody it doesn't yeah they haven't they haven't earned, the they're not the 2014 heat they can't they haven't earned the right to just flip switches yeah, especially right, when like, they, they have no sense of continuity with their roster over the last you know they've reinvented their roster three times and 13 months yeah and i think on top of that you look at this team and you think number one they have all the motivation to come out this year and exercise the demons from the toronto series for the holdovers and then you think about look they have all these new guys here they really need to focus on building good habits and and building that chemistry that you speak of seamus and the best thing for this team would be to play three hard quarters get a 20 plus point lead and let bench lineups with like one or two starters close the game out. And, and that's, that's what a lot of the better teams in the league are able to do against the dregs of the league. And for some reason, the Sixers haven't figured out that they can save themselves a lot of, they can get some natural load management in if they could just dial it up a little bit. Yeah. Especially with two big men who are very much in need of rest throughout the uh, length of a typical NBA season in Horford and Embiid, the fact that they can't close out shit teams early is adds to the frustration that I think a lot of fans and myself to a lesser degree have with this team at times. Do you think that has an impact on how good the collective we think they are? Because I feel like we yes. judge them on these these just like out of sorts efforts that it's hard to tell when it's a product of funky team fit and when it's a product of yeah they just don't care enough tonight yeah not all wins and not all losses are equal yeah and clearly they get up for i mean you look at the stretch where they play toronto and boston and denver and they get up for those games despite struggles within those games they get up for them and they win them and the miami game you would have thought that that would be the case i i get having a bit of a letdown against a dallas team that doesn't have luca i know Joel had a big game, and that should probably be expected going up against Kristaps Porzingis. But, yeah, I don't know what the excuse is for the rest of these guys. Yeah, it just – you wish they would bring that energy all the time, and I think as fans that's just frustrating. And not – like they're not – it's an 82-game season. You can't expect them to play balls to the wall every single night. Um, but it just sucks one time when you're watching this and you're thinking, you know, I get it in the sense that watching that Pistons game was absolutely mind-numbingly boring. 
of a game. Like anytime it feels like they play, it's a running joke now. They play the Pistons and the Hornets 16 games <laughs> respectively. Each Every season. one of them is m- more boring than the last. Yeah, one. so like that game was terrible. If I, if we weren't recording this, this podcast, I would have turned it off in the third quarter. <laughs> so I can understand one sometimes when Ben Simmons like I don't really give a shit about this. This random Monday night game ahead of a huge, huge home matchup on Wednesday. I don't give a shit. It's hard to expect them to go again, balls to the wall, give a thousand percent effort in a contest like this where. They should just be cruising to a victory. Well, and to their credit, they did play. They, that was a very good game for yeah. them on several levels. I yeah, think that's that's the best Ben game I think they've had in a while. Would you absolutely? Agree? Yeah, and I think I wrote about this a little bit in my newsletter for tomorrow that it's good if the game is boring in a sense that great teams beat the crap out of shitty teams. And that should be a boring game. It should be a boring game when they play Detroit and they beat them down, when they have the control of the vice majority of the game, when they put it away in the second half. That should be a boring game. There shouldn't be excitement in that game. It shouldn't be close. So I do like that aspect of what was otherwise uh, a mostly forgetful evening other than maybe Ben Simmons' stat line and, you know, Toby going a little bonkers. Yeah, my two big takes from that game are that if – Joel Embiid could play Andre Drummond every game, and if Tobias Harris could strictly play his old teams. teams that he used to play yes. for every game, they would both be in the discussion for the NBA MVP. Toby would average forty-five. It's unbelievable how good he is when they play the Pistons. Like, I, I'm, some of that is just random. They have a lot of stink. matchups that he can punish. Like Blake Griffin in the state that he is in is just. <sighs> He has nothing to offer in terms of like speed, so Tobias can go by him. And then you look at like Svi, and Tobias Harris is gonna post that guy up every single time. And he just all he did was stick his ass into that dude and shot over him maybe like ten separate times, and I think he probably made eight of them. Like, it was ridiculous. Detroit has the two stars who have aged the worst in my active lifetime as an NBA fan between Blake and Derrick Rose. I wasn't even thinking about Derrick Rose because I think of him, I guess he was, I don't, I'd also, I also don't think he was as good as everyone thought he was to begin with. So I would agree with you. That he's, was a case of the NBA that's, wanting that's the somebody wor- the worst who was not LeBron. <laughs> yeah. Should have given it to Dwight then. Dwight was an absolute animal that year. Yeah. Uh, yeah maybe no Sean Kemp when he gained 400 pounds in Cleveland. Other than that, I can't really think of anyone. Iverson falling off a cliff, but that was kind of more gradual, I think. So it's got to be Blake or, I mean, D Rose has a lot of issues both. Yeah, well, on but the court at least with the court with Blake, I actually feel sad because that I, mean, I liked him. I liked Blake a lot. Great personality, and you know, 2011, 2012, there wasn't a more electric player in the league outside of LeBron. Yeah, and on top of that, like. You look at the work he put in to improve in so many ways. Like he got way better shot, as a shooter. His free throws and like that's the sort of guy his that playmaking. Yeah, I mean, I he maximized his ability from what I can tell. But as he has gotten better from a skill perspective, his body has just failed him. And so, like that one is one where it's that's a bummer to me. Derrick Rose is a a shitty person yeah i don't i don't so, i, I don't, fucking hate Derek gross i don't not that i would his... want him to suffer any kind of injuries or anything but like as far as guys that i'm like oh man i'd feel bad that 
he's where he is in his career now that he's not exactly high atop my list do you remember that one sports illustrated writer said that oh well, i'm guessing he's former now given all of those layoffs uh i think his name is sean Yu. does that name sound familiar uh the name sounds familiar uh the sports illustrated guy is jeremy Wu. i think jeremy Sean Wu. Yu might be a ringer guy Okay, sorry, my apologies for that mix-up. So Jeremy Wu tweeted, who's, I'm assuming, a Chicago native and a Bulls fan. Uh, all the in- Sixers injury uh, unlock over the last half decade is because they cheered for Derrick Rose's knee injury, which happened in Chicago, of all places. So that was Philly fans' fault. Fuck Jeremy Wu. Fuck Derrick Rose. I don't. I I don't even remember this. Tweet, I flamed so. the shit out of him. He had to delete the tweet. I got like every. I got all my lackeys and minions in a in a rut, and we all freaked out. Fuck him. Uh, we- <laughs> then, then he pivoted. And he was like, "Well, fans were happy that he wasn't playing and was hurt." I'm like, I don't give a shit about his injury. I'm happy that the team we're playing in the playoffs is missing their best player. Who the fuck wouldn't want that? Yeah, that's, like if Jerome B got sad. hurt and like the Raptors fans were happy last year, I wouldn't be like that's a disgrace. I'd be like, no shit, I would have been happy if Kawhi was hurt and didn't play. I wouldn't be happy he's in physical pain. I'd be happy the team, my favorite team's playing, their best player isn't playing. Yeah, you like it's it's easy to separate those things. You don't have to. You're just an idiot. Somebody you're just like a, try to like he wanted to have this like post woke take that like to <laughs> rally around on basketball twitter and hope that women like him or something and oh Chris, man you're like you really are going i fucking hate that dude it was a piece of wow. shit wow yeah well so let's rein it back in a little bit to focus more on the pre-detroit stuff let's bring back the fire brett brown index because last week was probably the most intense week of the season in terms of scrutiny on the head coach obviously whenever they start losing games it's 100% the coach's fault and nobody else's. So let's put it this way. How much blame do you put on him for the effort issues? Because I I feel a couple of different ways about it. Like my, my instinct is that a team assumes the identity of their best players. And so I put a lot of the responsibility on Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. Now, that being said, the one area where I'm receptive to, I guess, like coaching chatter and coaching discussion from the fans is that at some point these two, or even just one of them, might end up needing a different voice. Like maybe somebody has to come in. It it could be someone who has zero discernible tactical difference between him and Brett Brown it might just be a thing at some point where they need to feel more uncomfortable than they do. I don't know if that's just like a crotchety sports writer take. Is that as, do you mean as an assistant or as a new head coach? No, as like a new head coach. And okay. Like, just want to make to sure. Clear, yeah. yeah. To be clear, I'm not advocating for them to fire Brett Brown. I very much think that like a lot of the problems with this team are just due to roster issues that are not going away. Barring a, a major trade or some kind of shift in how Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid plays. But I like, so I'm curious where you're at with how much blame do you put on him for, I guess the, the up and downness with their effort. On a macro scale, I feel like I'm not the biggest Brett guy, but then on a day to day level when we're doing, Hey, what's the Brett Brown panic meter? I'm just like, eh, I'm fine. Yeah, like like, there are so a lot I've, of decisions that I look at that's like, wow, he that's really on cost him. them. 
Yeah, the only thing I can think of is just like allowing Ben to just continue to call himself a point guard when he's not. But then there's also the fact that they have two starting centers outside of him and Horford and 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 B when Simmons is kind of a power forward and Tobias Harris is really a power forward. So there's a whole mess of issues there in terms of the Ben positional aspect. Uh, but that's kind of out of his hands. He kind of has to play Ben this way. Yeah, I mean, what are they going to do? Play? There's a there's a bigger issue in that they have four... They're starting four front court players at once and that they're de facto in name point guard uh, isn't a point guard. That's more of the issue than like Brett, you know, not getting guys as amped as possible. He's not giving some, you know, Doug Peterson motivational speech or something. Right. And it's like, uh, even with the lineup choices, I've wanted them to try out some different stuff, but here's the thing. And they don't even what have do backup you, point guard. Like, right. yeah. You, what do you want him to play? Trey Burke major minutes? He stinks. Like, like if people call good. for him because he was good in college, he stinks. Neto's, Neto's a little bit better, but they're third point guards. They, they're third they and both fourth stink. point guards. Like both of them are not good. It's just yeah. a matter of They can't be on the floor in the playoffs. Good. They cannot see the floor in the playoffs. It's, it's a failure in the front office if they do not adequately address the backup point guard position. Yeah, they need... It's not on Brett. It's not on Brett. They need at least one or two more guys before the playoffs come around because that, here's the other thing too. Mike Scott has just been bad this year and... I mean, I, I guess eventually you would assume that his shooting is going to to turn around, but he's also the only guy that they can move that's on like a, a decent size contract. Obviously, you're going to have to attach young players and, and picks to get anybody of of any kind of reasonable value. I mean, but. I'm trading Scott and Zaire and some sort of pick for a competent point guard in a second. Sorry, Hive. Yeah, the people there'll be a small group of people. Yeah, who and then happy the, about that. And a week later, when the guy that gets thrown up a twenty-five point performance off the bench, everyone's gonna be all over him, and it's fine. Is there like a curse of Lou Williams that since he left, they just oh can't man, I never thought real, of that. They just can't have a real sixth man. It's <laughs> because be, looking back, there was a lot of frustration with Lou Williams in the fan base at the time because he was not was nearly like, as good as he was now. No, he he wasn't, but it was also because fans thought that guys like Evan Turner and and so on and so forth should be getting minutes and they should be. And he should have. He should have been. Right, but it but it was he Lou Williams caught some unnecessary heat because he was better at the time and getting minutes as a result and as it turns out he was just always better and always going to be better <laughs> yeah so that's a they need they need a six-man type guy and like a real six-man somebody who's gonna you can put the ball in his hands and he'll get his own shot he'll create for others they also could use a guy who can shoot off screens because they really don't have that Redick Bellinelli style guy and I know we talked about this when we talked about trade possible trade targets but yeah there's there's some work to be done so i i don't think I they don't have, put, there's a guy out there to get unfortunately just, there's no guy that's like oh yeah we just got lou williams obviously they're not gonna trade him lose a fringe all-star over the last couple of years uh so nothing they can do is gonna really excite me i guess you know a bogdanovich potentially but there's no you know can traditional six man in that mold, other than uh, 87-year-old Jamal Crawford, according to uh, Keith Pompey. And who else? Michael Wilbon, as he also said that. 
Yeah, I, I don't want any parts of I know you can't. watching Jamal Crawford at uh, his age. I know you can't touch it the way I can, so we'll just leave it at that. Well, so you brought up Bogdanovich is a good one. I like Malik Beasley, who I think they could probably yeah, yeah, get yeah. For, yeah. for a reasonable amount. Like Those are the sort of guys that they should be after ahead of the deadline. Because, look, they have right now – they have six guys that you like really want to go to war with. It's the the five starters, and I would count Thibel in there. I, I think I go to I think, war with Ennis. I go to war with Ennis. I would, but I think he's like a tier below. Yeah, I mean Thibel Max Max is the, has a greater ceiling with you know Thibel in the rotation than Ennis, but Ennis is a guy you can 100 percent play in the playoffs to me, and I'm kind of wrote about that a little bit tonight where. He has that energy that I think is so infectious off the bench in the way he's going to have a game in May in the second round where he crashes and gets an offensive rebound with like 36 seconds left and kicks it out to Bias in the corner for the, you know, nail in the coffin three or something. Yeah, listen, I'm not saying that uh, he's definitely a playoff guy, but he's, don't, uh, he's oh, down. Oh, so uh, you, you don't like James Ennis now? Oh, yeah, because I've been one of his biggest boosters for forever. I'm just simply saying that. They need to have yeah, I know I'm fucking right. like like if James Ennis is the eighth or ninth guy rather than the sixth guy, you're in a really good spot versus where they are now. Yeah, they need that seventh or sixth guy in terms of a guard with Thibel being the other one, and then James at eight. Yeah. So okay, well let's we'll save the uh, the fake trades and all that stuff for later. Yeah, I, I don't want to do I don't want to do that. Yeah. So. Christmas, obviously this, I, I would say this is the biggest regular season game of the year. You think that's, oh, that's fair? Oh, not even close. Yeah. Because you consider the opponent, you consider it's that it's the NBA's like signature day. It's, it's NBA's Thanksgiving. Yeah. It's at two thirty, So it's smack dab in the middle of Christmas. Everyone's done opening gifts. It's like one of the two biggest times between that and the five o'clock, five thirty game, six o'clock, whatever it may be on a given year. Yeah, so this is a showcase of the team and of the league. Which Sixers are you expecting to get on Christmas? I mean, they're playing at home. If they're playing on the road, I'd be a lot more scared. But they are, what, now 14-1 and at home this year? Obviously, they haven't played a team as good as Milwaukee this year. They haven't played a player as good as Giannis this year. But there's going to be energy in that building. And as we've said earlier, sometimes the Sixers had a tendency to play down the opponents when it's kind of a meandering... Like tonight, a weekday game on the road in Detroit, there's a lot more juice on a home game, essentially primetime Christmas game against the reigning MVP, the Milwaukee Bucks, and the team everyone is saying that is definitively better than you, the team that you're going to have to go through, you're going to have to go to Milwaukee to make the NBA Finals. Ben has, you know, been rightfully so decried as like a worse version of Giannis, and he is. But he's got to take that to heart. He's going to want to prove that he's better than Giannis. Embiid's going to want to prove that he's the best player in the Eastern Conference. There's going to be juice, man. I'm excited. I think the players can be amped. Yeah, I think that's... I mean, they've had some good crowds this year, but this is going to be like yeah. legitimate playoff atmosphere. I, I think the only one to be comparable to so far is the first, the first game against game. Miami. Yeah, definitely. And that game, that crowd was awesome. I did the like... That uh, was a great crowd. Yeah, I did the little, you know, Mike Scott hail, Hive tailgate beforehand, good crew, and then rolled in the game, had a blast. Uh, but you know, it's Christmas morning, I'm going to head over to my parents with my girlfriend Ashley, I'm going to have a handful of uh, 
Bailey's Crown Vanilla and Coke Zero mixes, and then Ooh. head to the game. That's my that's my holiday drink. Only Thanksgiving and Christmas, uh, and then go in there and give the Bucks hell. Do my part. I I just I honestly I can't wait for that game. So here's to me awesome, dude. It's it's they haven't played at home. I looked it up before 2017. They hadn't played on Christmas since 2001. When they played in LA as a rematch of that previous season's finals, and they hadn't played at home or since then, they didn't play between before 2001. They hadn't played since 1988 on Christmas. And that was their last home game on Christmas. That's like, crazy against the Washington Bullets. Not even the Wizards. The Bullets. A uh, 25-year-old Charles Barkley had 25 and 12 in a Sixers win. So, who are you expecting to get the bulk of the Giannis assignment? Like, if you had to guess, I know, obviously, I think it's going to be split between Joel, Ben, and Al. But Is, if, it, is it weird to say Al? I don't think it's weird because I think... Al did great defensively tonight. He was Blake, good. and obviously, Blake isn't in Giannis's universe now, but, uh, like, in a theory, they're, you know, point forward players. And Horford's been a guy, and obviously, no one really defends Giannis well. He's Giannis. But over the last handful of years, he's guarded... Yeah, uh, Giannis as well as anyone, and I think between that our trio of best defenders outside of Thibel, and again, I wish he was here and playing them on Wednesday because I'd love to see, you know, what he can do against Giannis. Can he give you, you know, five good minutes against Giannis? I'd love to see that, but I think uh, the way they're going to need to conserve to a degree Ben and Joel offensively, uh, especially with, um you know how much they're going to need them on that on the court to put points on the board i'd love to see at least early how well al is doing and then from there maybe see if al is kind of getting caught and little looking like he has earlier in the month as opposed to how he looked tonight maybe throw ben at him well so here's where i would say i think it could end up being joel that gets the most reps because if they play what's their roster construction looking like this year like what kind of lineups are they playing like i haven't followed them too intently to they know. have a lot other... of shooters like okay, so... white white dante is playing a lot of minutes ursan elisova playing a lot of minutes you, the normal Corver. guys you know bledsoe middleton they added corver wesley matthews has been in the starting lineup so they have a lot of guys that can spread the floor and shoot. And then, of course, they have Brooke Lopez, who is actually... He's great. One of the like, most surprising developments, I think, Oh, my God, yes. It's, un- it's underrated as hell, the way he's transformed his game. Has been, like, he's now a good shooter and a really good rim protector. Yeah. And, like, the shooting stuff is one thing, because he was always a skilled offensive big man. But he's, like, a legitimately good rim protector. And that was a guy that I thought was going to go the way of the dinosaur yeah some of these old post-up big men who who don't move well and all that but the seem like do... okafor-esque in a way that's like or okafor turning into a guy who can defend in space and defend the rim and hit you know 40 percent of his threes at times yeah right and i think the bucks do a really good job of funneling toward him it's it's definitely it, which which helps him out a lot but so here's the reason i think that joel might end up getting the Giannis assignment more often than not I think because of all the shooting the Bucks put on the floor, you want someone who's going to be able to offer help at the rim if Giannis gets there past the initial defender, but can also close out to a shooter. I don't know. I, uh, certainly Joel is capable of doing that, but I don't know that you want him to be the off-ball guy that's like sprinting back and forth. Yeah, that's not the best use of a 
supremely talented defender. Right. And so I think they would probably rather have Horford doing that more often than not. They would probably say Simmons can do that. Like that's more in his normal wheelhouse than anything else. I do think it's going to be by committee. Like this is not, hey, we stick Joel on him and he just single covers him. Yeah. The whole game. They're they're going to throw some different looks. I think part of the reason that they've gone to a zone this year is so that they can toy with that against teams like Milwaukee. They obviously, they're not going to play heavy zone like we've seen from Miami and Dallas over the last week, but that's something they might use situationally. But that, I mean, that is the matchup, right? Like Giannis is probably the front runner for MVP again this year. Like he's been incredible. He puts a ton of pressure on you. And I think with Joel, he's strong enough that Giannis just can't blow through him. And that takes away one of his, big advantages and that allows you to to stay home more on everybody else and, and perhaps dampen the impact of the shooting yeah i mean i also don't think the zone would be as effective against Giannis as it would the way it neutralized Simmons. oh definitely not especially because their shooters have just been yeah there's lights out compared to this year. philly yeah i mean they just they have let me actually they have George Hill right now is shooting 51% from three. Chris Middleton, 40% from three. Wesley Matthews, 39%. Kyle Korver, 38%. So those are like all guys that get regular minutes in the rotation. Then they have some average guys, Sterling Brown, Eric Bledsoe, Dante DiVincenzo. They have a lot of guys who are at least average level shooters. Now the Sixers game plan, my assumption would be is that they're going to try to funnel shots towards the Bledsoe's and the DiVincenzo's and the Browns of the world and maybe hug the other guys tighter. That That's generally what they've done in the past. So we'll see how that ends up looking on tape. But, you know, this is uh, this is a really exciting game. And I'm, what, are you, what else are you looking forward to on uh, – I'm forgetting the days of the week because it's Christmas and nobody works. And Wednesday is when it is, correct? Yeah, well – First of all, I'm thankful the Bucks lost their second best player in the offseason, so they don't have to deal with Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, but it's just more so from a fan perspective, like giving my real take, just stepping back and looking at the totality of the Sixers and like, wow, the Sixers have the 2.30 p.m. home game, not even on the road. They're not playing the token Eastern Conference team that plays the Knicks at noon. They are the 2.30 game against the team that has... Do they have the best record in the league or at least the best record in the conference? Who has a better record, Lakers or them? Uh, I believe the Bucks do because so the, the Lakers actually lost a few in a row okay, with so some injuries the last couple of They're playing games. a game team that had, what, an 18-game win streak? Is that what it was? Yes. So they're playing the hottest team in basketball, the reigning MVP, a guy who's probably going to win back-to-back MVPs. You have a Sixers team that's been a little sluggish and up and down this year. Yeah, they're still on a decent track to do well, finish 50-plus wins. But you want to see some more from the team. You want to see some juice. There's not a better game for this team to establish themselves once again as one of the premier teams in the entire league than to do it on this stage. And as a fan, you could not be more excited. I don't know if outside of any of the playoff games from the last two years— I've never been more excited to go to a regular season game. This is something we dreamed about during, it seemed unimaginable during those post-Iverson pre-process years. And then during the process years, this is what the goal was, to be a great team, to be one of those teams that every kid wants to watch 
across America after he opens presents and gets a Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid jersey as a gift. Him or her. This is what we all wanted. Yeah, this is like... So, a, this so is get, a lo- so don't get, like... Don't go <laughs> in the game freaking out. Like, again, I'm a guy who gets pissed off after every loss. I'm allowed... I like when fans scream and shout. It's part of the fun of just being an insane fan. But at least before the game, just step back and say, this is awesome. This is going to be a legitimate event, which yes. I think is what you're getting at. Like, there are going to be people at that game... And I mean, like famous, like celebrities that you wouldn't see. Oh, let's let's do guesses. At a who's normal be there. Game. Let's do that. Well, M Night M Night Shyamalan well, it's, has that's, to that's be there. That's not a real guess. Uh, I would expect Meek Mill Meek, probably be there. Wentz, at least a couple birds. Yeah, they'll probably. But that's not like a celebrity. Will Smith does he make an appearance? You know, I've been predicting Will Smith appearances far for like too five, often and, for like and se- too long for like seven years. And I still never see him there. I've Maybe never because s- he, if he goes, he just hides in a box somewhere. But is he but too yeah, famous to be down there in a way? Maybe. Maybe. I, I think I'm done with the Will Smith prediction. Yeah, I don't care. B-Coop. Will's burned me too many times. B Coop. That's possible. I could see that. Uh, yeah. Brian Phillippe, potentially. He's at a lot of games. So yeah, so I mean, he's me. he lives here. I think is. I don't know. What his deal is with his, I think his kid lives here too, so they go to a lot of games together. Yeah, so you brought up another point that I want to hit on real quick. This is going to be a game that ultimately is going to define. It's a narrative game for sure. How a lot of people think of the Sixers locally and nationally, especially locally, though. I I think this is this is the equivalent in years past of even though like regardless of what you thought of them in terms boston. of chances to contend this is a boston type game no doubt about it great point if they win this game people are going to say they're they can win the east they're going to the finals blah 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 milwaukee's a fraud team Giannis is a fraud we got them and if they lose it's this team is doomed for failure they're never going to beat the bucks they've made all these moves they have this great starting five and still can't win and it's also like this is going to set up this whole second half of the season. Yeah, I, I mean, think. if they win, they get a free pass until the All-Star break, both locally and nationally, I think. And even me to a yeah, degree, I'd probably be less upset about the random losses knowing, hey, when it comes down to the calm down, we're playing a team like Milwaukee. They got the juice for it. Yeah, and and look at it this way too. You're not going to get a second-rate effort from Milwaukee either. Nobody's no. going to be able to say – Wow, the Sixers really turned up for this one, and the Bucks were just like, "Yeah, we don't really care." This is going. To, they everybody knows this is a national TV game. Everybody knows it's a Christmas game. Everybody knows these are widely the two teams that most people expected before the year to go to the Eastern Conference Finals and duke it out for a chance to go to the finals. So I, I think you are going to see the absolute max effort from both teams. That's not something. You see very often in the NBA regular season anymore. Normally, it's it's one team really tries hard for it, or or maybe you get like a a couple quarters worth of max effort. This, I think this is going to be a special regular season game. Yeah, man. It, it was one of those things where the equivalent now is like saying every Eagles game is the biggest game of Carson Wentz's career, like a year or two ago, or it was like, oh, this is the biggest Sixers regular season game since 2001, 2001, 2001. Now I feel like it's it's that now. Like, oh, this is now the biggest regular season game since, you know, 2001 or something like that. Absolutely. Yeah, look, dude, there, we, there's not a way for us to oversell this game, I don't think. This is 
This has been marked on everybody's calendar for a long time. I think we're going to learn a lot about a lot of people. And actually, one thing I'm very curious about, I think Milwaukee is going to really dare Ben Simmons to shoot threes. I think they will actively disrespect him. And I'm curious if he would have the courage on a national Christmas Day nope. game against the best team in the East. Nope. I lean towards no, but nope. I think they're going to put him in that position. Nope. What would it take for us to have to do a podcast after the game? Ben hits a three. Not like I'm not doing it. After. I'm not doing it. I would do one at like 11:30 or something, like a half hour or something. Yeah, I mean, I think it would depend on a lot of things. If they just get smoked or the nah. other way around, maybe. But I do want uh, the Sixers get smoked down. I'm not doing one if they get fucking smoked on Christmas. You don't want to do a, a loss. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna come home from Christmas. Uh, you know, go to my my parents and I always go to my my friend Mike's uh house for Christmas dinner. So I'll go. I'll be going right there with Ashley straight from the game. And meeting up with the fam. So I'm definitely not coming back to my apartment being like, you know, had a great Christmas dinner. Time to talk about the team that I hate the most in the world. <laughs> well, here's hoping for your sake that there's a, a win or, or at least something that's kind of boring or something exciting to talk about. Rooting for a fight. Not a, not. I don't want anyone to get hurt, but I'd like to see some scuffles. We've had a lot of disclaimers about not wanting guys to get hurt, Seamus. I think you would want guys to get hurt. That's what it's No, but like I think me. that just... Some might would assume that about my online slash audio persona as this like crazy not Philadelphia guy who, you know, if even if I was of age then would have rooted for Michael Irvin when he broke his neck or whatever the hell that was like stuff like that. So I don't want to, I don't want you know Giannis to get his freaking arm broken while Ben Simmons is holding it behind his back, having him in a full Nelson or something. No, I feel uh, you. But yeah, I mean, I don't want someone to necessarily get dropped. I just want to see some energy from the guys. Some, mouth, was, some mouthiness. While we are on the topic of energy, Seamus, let's close it out with the loser of the week, the Mac Hollins, loser of the week. Actually, you know what? I just want to say, given how greg ward has looked greg ward winner of the week is the new award no that's not, i'm not even going there i'm saying because greg ward has been this good mac hollins is an even bigger loser than we thought like this guy just came off the practice squad and is a legitimate contributor mac hollins even bigger loser than we thought so the the stature of the mac hollins loser of the week award just grows and grows the further away from mac hollins's eagles tenure the gravitas so I think we're probably going to agree on this one, Seamus, but we'll see. I think Isaiah Thomas is the loser of the week. Oh, I, I forgot. I forgot. Oh, I forgot about him. I was going to say Blake because he played like crap tonight. But oh yeah, I see. Big time loser. I don't even think it's close. No, man. no, he's he's a loser. Let me lay out the case for you. Like here's this was like the most annoying Twitter thing when it happened. That this guy, a, a professional athlete, goes into the stands because of some dude who is talking trash on him. And all these people on Twitter are like, oh, this is exactly how things should happen. Like, great job by Isaiah Thomas oh to not God. really react. Losers. It's like, dude, somebody flipped a bird at him and said a couple curse words. Are you fucking kidding me? We're applauding this guy for like going into the stands and potentially causing an incident. And then on top of that, on top of that, Seamus, he's get, there's this reaction where he gets the two game suspension yesterday. And people were like, 
what the fuck? How could the NBA do this? Because he went into the goddamn stands. Do you people not remember <laughs> Malice at the Palace and like all these other things that the NBA has tried to get out of the game? Like, I understand the fan was not in the right, like being a complete jerk off, flipping people Would off. Would you be surprised to whatever. know that he is a friend of a friend? <laughs> So, I am actually not that surprised. You shouldn't be surprised, but uh, the uh, Twitter basketball police brigade uh, wouldn't care about this unless they only care because Isaiah Thomas is a fucking midget and the way his ball. Oh wow! All right, I don't know if I care that. Dude, he has. Yeah, I think that if he was six foot one and played the same as he does right now, no one would have given a shit about him or rushed to his defense. So you th- you think it helps that he's shorter than the people that he confronted? Yes. I just I think it's so. Oh, ridiculous. it's like oh, it like oh, I'm so glad that he's getting his career back together after an injury. Like, shut the fuck up. Well, it's this swing back tour. It's listen, I'm I understand the pro player stances generally. You're not going to find a more pro labor person than me. Right when it goes so far that people are actively celebrating some like oh, this was great that he and. Wow, how dare the NBA suspend a player for confronting a fan in the stands? It's like, dude, have you lost your goddamn mind? What is wrong with you? Yes. I understand. When has that ever worked out well for someone going in the stands? I I understand that people have to live up to the fan conduct policy and all this stuff. And I don't know that I – I think the, the thing that really was ridiculous was – revoking the season tickets as someone who was not even at the game. No, that's bullshit because they put them on StubHub. The team's official sponsor is StubHub. They tell fans to buy the tickets through StubHub. So StubHub is essentially just the general ticket marketplace from the Sixers. It has no reflection on the season ticket holder themselves. Well, let me just say this. I can only say so much here. I I know you can. I don't think it was the StubHub situation, which is part of why we're at where we're at with this issue. But at the same time, Someone getting punished for actions that are they had nothing to do with other than transferring the tickets. That seems a little much. I, my beef, though, is with Thomas and the reaction to him as if this guy was like a, a knight in shining people, armor. Like, people like, noble act thing. like he's like a martyr. Oh, it's like, oh, what a classy guy who's like, yeah. you're not going to disrespect me as a man. It's like, dude, you learn when you grow up as an adult that you shrug things off and you don't take perceived slights from people that you don't know or care about as a you're a professional to get athlete. Into a fight with somebody. Dude, if you can't on, take man. people yelling at you, then like you're not you're not going to make it. Come on, dog. That's just like I, I don't want to hear it. My it's boy so Kyle's got a foot on you. He'll stomp you. It's, come on, man. Like. Grow up. Maybe I shouldn't say that to him, but just grow up in general. Yeah, grow up NBA Twitter police. Uh, All right. Anyway, so Isaiah Thomas, the clear, clear cut loser of the week. So congratulations to him. Does he beat Dan Burke? Uh, He might. So I don't know if he beats him. I, I think the reaction to Isaiah Thomas is just as bad. Those people are, are losers at the caliber of... It's uh, a collective loser of the week award. It's like when an all five Atlanta Hawks starters won Eastern Conference Player of the Month, right? Yeah. yeah just just a, a poor showing from, from so many people, Isaiah Thomas included. And on that note, I'm sure everyone is hoping the Sixers don't have a poor showing on Christmas. We will probably talk to you sometime after that. Until then... What's the schedule for... The rest of the week. 
I believe they play Friday and Saturday. Okay. I want to say, or maybe not Saturday. I know they play end of the week. They they have played so many games this month that my brain has turned into yeah. And like you said, the holiday season, the days all blend together, and no one knows what the hell's going on. Yeah. So we will talk to you soon. Until then, if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast, give us some five star ratings, and we will talk to you guys soon. Happy holidays. Go Sixes.